Welcome back to another episode of Chipping In, a golf podcast that chips into the conversation every week. So after a week off, we have another episode because I was in the city for a few days and didn't really get a chance to record. And then last weekend, I was at the Cognizant Founders Cup, the LPGA event, on a media credential received under Chipping In. So that's pretty cool for this podcast, actually. So how that worked is I went to rounds two, three, and four. And so I got to Upper Montclair Country Club. That's where the event was held. It's in Clifton, New Jersey. And I went to the media center. And so the media center was just a room in the clubhouse. But what it looks like is there's a big backdrop with like the Cognizant Founders Cup logo for um, press conferences that they did earlier in the week, some cameras set up and rows and rows of tables with a bunch of LPGA media members, other media outlets um, with their computers and stuff. Then there's another room with a bunch of tables and then because they give um, the media some food. But that's kind of what the media center kind of looks like. And so basically I got there, I got my credential. And so then I spent my time out in the sun because it was actually a really nice weekend, um, walking around the course, following certain groups while checking the leaderboard periodically. I went to the post-round interviews and got to ask a few questions to the players, which is always really cool. And so for those post-round interviews, it's not done in the media center. They have what they call a flash zone. Um, It's a different backdrop. It's outside. Um, A camera is set up with two microphones and the audio gets recorded. And then the audio gets transcribed so people can use the transcripts for their own articles. I did some writing for Com Radio this week. Um, And let's just talk about the event in all because this the field of the event was one of the largest of the year that's not a major tournament. So there were tons and tons of people there. Typically on Thursday and Friday, you have um, two waves of tea times, the morning wave and the afternoon wave. So on Thursday and Friday, you have two rounds of those post-round uh, interviews, whereas Saturday, you only talk to the leaders, and Sunday is only the winner. Um, but it's this event is called the Founders' Cup because we're celebrating the 13 founders of the LPGA Tour, and actually the last living uh, member just passed away this week after the event concluded. But we, there are also some pioneers at the event, um and on 18 there's kind of a little seating area for them set up with the saying act like a founder right behind it so it's very meaningful to all those players and just a chance to celebrate the LPGA's history because um I'd recommend to anyone to read Shirley Spork's book because it's really insightful as to what contributions she put into the game and just kind of how much differently women's golf was when it was first getting started compared to now it's definitely extremely behind the men's game in money in viewership and fandom but compared to what it was it's definitely taken steps forward and it will continue to take steps forward now we have to get into the rounds I missed round one because I was still in the city that Thursday and I got home that afternoon and it was kind of too late in the day for me to go out to Upper Montclair so my first day on site was Friday And I wanted to spend a full day there on Friday. I woke up at 6.30 in the morning, I think. I left my house by 7.30. I was there by 8 a.m. And that's when I checked in um, and I headed out. And just looking at the course, when I first started walking around, it was held at Upper Montclair last year. And I was there for that as well. So I kind of knew 
where the, all the holes were. I didn't have to really look too much into like that. I kind of knew where I was going. I knew the course kind of. But just looking at it, it looked in such great shape um, because New Jersey didn't get uh, too much snow this year. So the course in general is in great shape. Um, the rough was extremely thick. Even the fringe and like the first cut from the fairway was still like decently thick. It was not as thin as like it probably is on your average golf course that anybody who isn't a professional would play on. And the fairways were cut really smoothly. Um, but Friday was really, really sunny and hot. Um, wasn't too much wind in the morning. I was walking around kind of getting a little sunburn, even though I put on sunscreen. But it was definitely a nice day. And then in the afternoon, there was some wind, and that became a factor uh, for the afternoon groups, making it tricky to attack the pins. And here's what Aditi Ashuk, who was one shot off the lead after round two, said about the situation. How much do you find yourself attacking these pin locations? A lot of players have said it's been really tricky based on just the placement their balls are in the fairway. Yes, I think some of these holes, if you're on the wrong side, you, the angle is so bad you probably can't go up the flags. And then with the greens being as firm as they were in the afternoon, I think some of those holes, there was no chance. I think the best shots were 30 feet fast, 40 feet fast, and that's just the nature of the golf course. Sometimes it can be a par five, you might have a wedge, but sometimes you can't hit it close. But I had a four hybrid from like 200 yards, but there was so much green to work with and the angle was good, I could hit it to 10 feet. So it's just about, I guess, taking the chances and making use of the, you know, the, I guess, the easier pin placements. So going at the flag just wasn't always the wisest option. And after 36 holes, Jin Young Ko and Sarah Kemp were tied for the lead with a one-stroke advantage over the field. Ko fired a bogey-free 68, but admitted how hard it was after her round. I mean, this, course, this golf course is, like, fairways are really narrow, so I uh, try to hit the fairway from the tee, and I really focused my tee shot from the tee, shot from the tee and it worked it, and greens are a little foam, so I need, we need to more good focus for my high and distance and third distance. And greens And Kemp had the biggest round of the day. She shot a 7 under 65, and she was in that afternoon wave too. So that was pretty incredible how she's finding those birdie opportunities. And in her post-round interview, I asked her about what her mindset will be heading into the weekend. And now going into the weekend, tied for the lead, how are you going to try to clear your head, as you said, and kind of keep your carefree kind of mentality going into moving day? Can you tell me? I mean, that's, that's the question, right? Um, I'm sure I'll go to bed and think about it, you know, naturally. And um, I think I'll be pretty excited for tomorrow, so maybe try and calm my excitement down. Um, you know, equal leader going into a Saturday in LPJ, that's pretty cool, right? Um, so if I can just kind of play it down a little bit um, and just, you know, manage my excitement. Um, although that's a really good thing and, you know, I think there'd be something wrong if I wasn't excited, but I think I can get a little bit too hyped. Um, so probably just trying to calm down a little bit and, and enjoy the experience. And the tournament's defending champion, Minji Lee, was tied for third after round two. And considering how difficult this course can be, as other players have mentioned, I just had to ask her what stood out to her. Turning back here after winning, and you shot really low last year, and now two good rounds here. What about this course do you think suits your game the best? Um, I like it when it's challenging, and I like the look of the, the trees. Um, 
I guess, so it kind of suits my eye. Um, I think it's quite tight off the tee, so it has. I I think I concentrate a little bit more and have like better focus. Um, maybe that's what's been helping me. <laughs> but overall, round two was a long day. I didn't leave there probably until close to. 7.30. It was really an 11 and a half hour day for me because then I was doing finishing up my story. Um, I just really wanted to soak in all of this day that I could because it really is such a great experience um, to get a chance, like, because this is what I want to do in my career. This is a great chance to just, like, get another opportunity to talk to these players and watch great golf. This is what I love to do. And so chipping in got to go. Now, round three. I got to Upper Montclair around 11.30, and I got lunch before heading out into the course because they always uh, provide lunch for media, and I didn't want to pass that up because the food was really good, uh, country club food, come on. And I would always position myself on a hill where I could see a bunch of holes at once, and it was a crazy day. So let's just say moves were definitely made on moving day, because every time you check the leaderboard, whether it was one of the ones positioned on the course or I was looking at my phone, there were always things that were changing. Uh, Sarah Kemp and Jin Young Ko were unable to maintain their lead, their one-stroke advantage over the rest of the field. There was like 19 players within four shots heading into moving day, and a lot of them kind of climbed that leaderboard, including Minji Lee, who soared up to the top, ended her round with a three-stroke lead, and really looks calm and comfortable out there, which was something that had been noticed by others. A couple of other players have mentioned how you kind of appear um, carefree on the course and you don't let a lot get to you, at least that you show. What do you feel internally in those big moments? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm mostly pretty chill um, when I'm playing like I show <laughs> um, but I, there's like a little bit of nerve you know it just depends what kind of situation I'm in and um, I just try to you know hit one shot at a time and just one step in one foot in front of the other. And you talk about wanting to be aggressive on this course is there anything in particular that might have you step back and play a little bit more conservatively? Probably just the pin placements just depending where they are. She really Minji Lee just has an aggressive mindset um, the only player to have her first three rounds in the 60s, which is so different compared to players like Angel Yin. Um, but a lot of people were kind of saying that you have to play more conservatively. You have to be really careful off the tee because of how narrow it is. You want to put yourself in the best position possible. But Minji Lee kind of had an eye for something different. And that allowed her to climb that leaderboard and have such a strong lead heading into the final round. This course requires quality decision-making, and Ashley Budai, she's from South Africa, she spoke about how she embraced some of those struggles out there. I just like it when courses play tough and you have to think and like to call it smart golf. You, know? you can't just get up and hit any shot and go to flat ground, especially with the green swimming up. You've got to be very, very patient. But fatigue was really setting in for Jin Young Ko, and that was a factor in her round. We, I mentioned that she lost her lead, wasn't able to maintain it, and she only shot even par. I mean, only shot even par. Par, even par was a good score, but when you had players like Minji Lee finding those birdie opportunities and getting so far ahead of you that now from being one shot up to four back, it was, a, it was definitely interesting to hear what Jin Young Ko had to say. 
What do you think was the hardest part about this round today, and how will you take that into account to bounce back tomorrow? I was really late, so <laughs> it was tough to spend time before the teal because I woke up at eight. Still have seven hours before the teal, so it was hard to spend my time. And yeah, but I have I have some meditate, but still six hours to go. So. <laughs> It was one of the part, hardest part of play. When you have that much time, is it harder to get into that headspace to prepare for your round? I think so. Um, well, usually my swing speed is going to be more higher than like morning tea point, but I couldn't, I couldn't like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't speed up from my head, club head. I need more than that. <laughs> And considering Angel Yin was in the situation of a chase, she was tied for second at nine under three shots back. She was uh, had to chase the leader going into round four last last year at the Founders Cup. So I wanted to gauge her mindset. What do you expect this course to kind of show you tomorrow? And how do you kind of just relax yourself knowing you will be a few shots behind and try to pick up some ground? Um just exactly what's been showing me for the last three days and last year as well it's just you, you have to be patient and there's nothing else you can do like last year last day as much as i wanted to go for it there was nothing i could do uh because there was no opportunities like after you hit like uh what is it like 14 and on those are just like par holes they're not really birdie holes um so even that par five the last par five we're getting Asking a bunch of different players about what the chase was going to be like for them, you kind of really got different opinions on what their strategy would be heading into the day. And getting the different perspectives and kind of hearing their own mindset about the course is really so cool to hear every time like I get to do one of these things where I get to talk to the players after their rounds I always kind of want to know where their headspace is at because it might be an indicator as to how they will shoot um, in the following rounds now round four final day I'm always sad on the final day because I'm like I want this to be my full-time job but I am still in college I am still uh, not employed by the LPGA yet but I got there around the same time as Saturday, so about 11.30, and of course, ate lunch before heading out all week, the peanut butter cookies, and literally any cookie they had, Upper Montclair, just very good, very good bakers in the back. Um, so I got there, and the leaders um, didn't tee off until 2.55, so that's when the last pairing went off, and I got there around 11.30 and was out on the course by noon. So I kind of sat behind the whole nine green. Um, for a little bit and then I saw Allie Ewing was going to be teeing off so I wanted to follow her group just for fun on the front nine to get a feel for how those opening holes might be playing depending on the pin locations and Allie Ewing's just someone who I've liked watching play I like following her around like kind of anytime I can she's pretty far down the leaderboard I knew she wouldn't make a push for the lead but it was just a chance to kind of just follow someone around and kind of get a feel for how the holes might go and so I followed her for the front nine but Sunday was the windiest day for sure. Saturday was definitely overcast, but still warm. Sunday, it seemed to be a lot cooler just because of the wind. It was definitely blowing out there a lot, and it kept changing directions. So 
the wind will always affect shot selection, and that's always going to affect how much you can attack a pin even further than the difficulty the course always provided. So following alley-ewing in the morning was definitely kind of just showing me a little bit of how that might affect the leaders because I saw that she had her own struggle. She couldn't really get it where she wanted it at some times, but definitely interesting. But Sunday, the leaderboard drama. If you followed along on the Instagram updates on at chipping in pod, you would know uh, what I'm talking about because so much was going on. Um, Minji Lee was at the top. Minji Lee was at the top for a while. But a bunch of the people in the chase were making birdies. Then Jin Young Ko takes the lead. They're back and forth throughout. So Jin Young Ko started her round, and she birdied holes three and four to put the pressure on early, considering she was four shots back. On number six, the par three, that's where I was kind of hanging out again. I walked, like, to the hill on two, sat there, watched them approach onto the par five. Then I watched them come through on the par three six, where there is water before the green, and the green is kind of, like, peanut shaped on an angle if you could kind of picture that in your minds um but Minju Lee found the water with her tee shot that was the only shot I saw go into the water all day and I was hanging out there for a few hours and so everyone was like oh wow because that was gonna do things for the leaderboard she ended up double bogeying that hole so a five on the par three that put Jin Young Ko in the lead for a little while but then Jin Young Ko was a little bit quiet out on the course, not finding many birdies. Minji Lee roared back with a huge birdie putt on 11 that she drained from probably at least 30 feet. Um, and that was really just a great putt to kind of just take back some momentum, at least for herself. But then she comes up to 16. 16 was one of the hardest holes of the entire week for players. It goes, It's a very uphill green. And you have to be careful about where you leave uh, your approach shot because it can fall back down the hill. Aditi Ashuk had issues with that on Saturday in her round. But Minji Lee comes up. I watched the final groups come through because 16 was kind of where that flash zone is. And it's then it goes down the hill for 17 and back up for 18. So I was kind of just hanging out over there because people were finishing up on 18. And I wanted to get that finish. Um, so... Minji Lee comes up 16, and she found her approach shot in the bunker. She chips out of the bunker and had kind of a manageable putt for for par, but it just hit the side of the cup and didn't go in. So she had, a, I think, a tap-in bogey. I forget what the distance was on that. But that put Minji Lee back to 13 under par, and Jin Young Ko was at 12 under par at that point. She had just teed off on 18 so now I rushed over to 18 and 18 had the grandstands for all the fans and for like a specific like ticket you could buy you could get into the grandstand of 18 but then there were other fans on the other side of the green there really just isn't that much room but because of my credential I was able to get into kind of where the players walk up and go to the scoring tent so I was able to hang out there and still watch so Jin Young Ko needed a birdie to tie Jin Young Ko had birdied hole 18 every single day she was probably 20 feet away for birdie and she put it right in the center of the cup concluding her five under round that was the best round of the day not many got to five under the putt was not easy by all means it was pretty pretty a pretty good distance away and a lot of different slopes to navigate these greens aren't just flat they have different slopes to go in and out and she drained the putt I was looking, I was talking with other of the LPGA media people, and we were like, there's no way. And so now we're tied. 
Minji Lee still had two holes to go because there was a couple groups. There was a group in between Jin Young Ko and Minji Lee. And she had a chance to chip it in for a birdie on 18th for the win. But it just hit the edge of the cup and bounced out. So she tapped into par, in for a par. So we were headed to a playoff. It's the fifth playoff the LPGA has had this season. And so the first playoff hole, it was going to go 18, 18, 17, 18. So we started off with hole 18. The players walked back down once they finished the 18-hole scoring uh, for round four. A playoff was needed. And so they went back to the tee on 18 to start off. And so I didn't have a good view of their tee shot. I kind of stayed where I was. So I didn't really see what clubs they were using, any way that. But I knew uh, Minji Lee hit it much farther than Jin Young Ko. Jin Young Ko put it even farther than she did on her first time around on 18 today. So she had an even longer birdie putt. And Minji Lee probably got it within 10 feet of the pin. So everyone's like, oh my God, is Minji Lee going to go back to back? Jin Young Ko hits her, her putt. And you probably saw kind of what I was showing on the Instagram if you were following along all of the time that I was there. Jin Young Ko hits her putt and it uh, kind of got it within tapping distance for her par. And so Minji Lee just needed a birdie uh, for the win. Minji Lee misses her birdie putt and the ball keeps trickling far into that kind of range where it's like, okay, she should be making this, but it's also in the oh no, this is where you kind of freak out. It's in the range of panic. Um, And she goes up to hit her putt, and everyone's kind of thinking, okay, we might have a second playoff hole, but Minji Lee misses her putt. And Jin Young Ko taps in her putt for the win. She wins with a par on the 18th, and Minji Lee bogeyed, and then it was chaos. I was kind of helping the other players who were supporting. There was other Australians in support of Minji Lee and other Korean players, Korean LPGA players, um, supporting Jin Young Ko. And there was champagne that needed to be put on Jin Young Ko, who won. So in that moment, we're scrambling to open the champagne bottles, handing them to the players. We're going to run onto the green to congratulate her. And it was just such a wholesome moment of victory that was really just awesome to be a part of so up close um so Jin Young Ko wins obviously Minji Lee lost it was kind of um she fought really all week and then after you have to do kind of a press conference with Minji Lee as well so I went with one of the LPGA media coordinators into the media room uh to interview her following her playoff loss She was unable to defend her title, obviously, but I asked her to just kind of put this week into perspective to get the bigger picture of her mindset. What can you take away from the finish? Obviously not the result you wanted, but heading into further tournaments and the rest of the majors down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, um, I apparently this is only my fifth start on tour this year, so um, it actually doesn't feel like I've only played five events, but um, I only ha- I have. So, uh, I mean, it's still pretty early, I guess, in my season, and I have a lot more events coming up. So, I feel like I could take a lot of positives into, um, you know, the next couple majors coming up, and then obviously Mizuho is my next event. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to train hard the next two weeks, and then um, be ready, be ready for Mizuho.
So yeah, this was Minji Lee's best finish of her five events, and with more majors coming up, I'm really interested to see how she finishes there, considering that Upper Montclair wasn't easy, and she truly handled herself out there very well and really grinded through the challenges that the course threw at her. So coming into those major tournaments, she's obviously going to be a contender. She's one of the best players in the world, and she has a lot of grit to her style of play, which sets her apart from a lot of the different other mindsets on the tour. But wow, Jin Young-ko. So what happens when you win is you get flooded basically with media on the course. The trophy ceremony is one thing. There's a bunch of media they had to do for the LPGA socials. She got interviewed, I believe, by Amy Rogers on Golf Channel. I didn't actually see it happen, but I'm pretty sure that's what uh, she was hanging around for and then a bunch of different other stuff she has to do on the green before she headed into the media room so after Minji Lee left I was sitting in the media center just starting my story for com radio just getting my thoughts together kind of thinking about what would I want to ask Jin Young Ko and then after about like 20 minutes uh, Jin Young Ko came in to the media center and uh, Emily, who was one of the LPGA media coordinators, was moderating the interview and started off by asking Jin Young Ko to take us through her day and how she managed to shoot a five under in the toughest scoring conditions of the week. It averaged 74.394, I believe, and round three, the average scoring was around 72. So for Jin Young Ko to go low was huge in that moment. And so this is what she had to say about her final round. I thought if I play really well, I could chance to win. So I really focus myself and focus on my like, shot by shot, every hole, and don't look the scoreboard and just think, just do it, what I can do, just don't think about the other players. Mm-hmm. And last night, uh, I watched, uh, this morning, I watched something highlights that was Song Jae-im, mm-hmm. he's PJ Tour player, he's Korean. He played Korea tournament this week and he won. He was five shots behind the lead and he made it to win. So that was inspired me. Yeah, I, I was four shots behind the lead, but if I really play well like Song Jae, I could have to win, so I really focus myself. Yeah, and yeah, this golf course is not easy. Fairways are narrow and greens are bomb and windy, but I should really, really do it. And yeah, feels, I feel really good and it's honor to get third trophy, College and Founders Cup. Yeah, can't wait to play next year. <laughs> just hearing how she used Sanjay M for inspiration and just kind of hearing kind of about how that truly inspired her to go out there and kind of just stick to herself and fully not worry about what the other players was doing. I was really sitting there kind of getting eye like. Jin Young Ko just always surprises me by what she's going to say at her press conference. I never know what's going through her head until she fully explains it. She really is another one of those players where you really have to ask what she's thinking in order for her to kind of tell you where she's at because 
yeah, she's a really great golfer, but she doesn't shy away from telling you when it isn't easy. And had and having her see that uh, inspiring thing by Sunjay M to come back for a win, that's really all it took for Jin Young Ko. Jin Young Ko came in knowing she's going to give it all she had, and that's what she did. And this is what's her third time winning the Founders Cup and third different course. So I knew just heading into the winner's press conference that I needed to ask about that and a few other things. So let's listen back in. Yesterday you talked about how you had so much time before the round and you still had a good amount of time before today's round. Were you able to fill that time a little bit better today? Yeah, I thought, yeah, one more day to go and I would leave to Texas. So, yeah. Um, well, I slept really well. Like, the before the yesterday, I couldn't sleep well because I don't know if if broad body feels really tired, sometimes couldn't get sleep well. But last night, I sleep well so I felt yeah my body feels okay and just a little less practice before the teal and just eat well <laughs> that's it and this is the third different course where you've won this event what does that mean to you to kind of just keep just destroying all these courses and figuring it out and surviving through the toughest conditions yeah, that's interesting because 2019 was Phoenix 2021 was the other course and I played this course in last year but I played well I played wasn't 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 good so I thought oh, yeah this course is really tough just I thought before that this week I thought uh, just <coughs> made, made a cut and just finish top 10 or 20 but I made it I'm surprised <laughs> And you had a good amount of people following you around throughout your final round. What does it mean to have all that support behind you? Yeah, I always thank to all my fans out there, and especially in New Jersey, lots of Koreans live here. So a lot of Koreans out there, so they always say, you're so pretty, pretty, <laughs> you can do it like this. So yeah, they make me cheer up the four days so I really thank to all my fans just seeing Jin Young Ko win again this is the second time I saw her win because I was at Mountain Ridge which she called the other course um the first time she the second time she won the Founders Cup so that was really a surreal moment to be a part of again but that's all we have of this episode of Chipping In. I was so excited to be able to share all of this content for this episode and get the chance to go to another LPGA event. The credential has already been submitted for Mizuho in a couple of weeks, which is played at Liberty National um, for an inaugural event. So that'd be really cool if we get to run it back a little bit. And I know this week is the PGA Championship, second major of the season in men's golf so next week's episode will be breaking down every storyline of that week because play hasn't even started and there's a lot of drama just look at the featured groups i will be doing that all weekend um and i cannot wait to see what happens with that event because if a live golfer wins more drama if literally anything happens more drama because nobody can stop talking about men's golf but that's it for now until next time